Hello and welcome to Voicebox, your weekly guide on public radio and podcast to singing and the best of the vocal music scene. I'm your host, Chloe Veltman. Thanks for joining me. All the men get famous, all the women get played. Is this rather androgynous voice a man's or a woman's? Or both? Or neither. We got denizens and courtesans and paper The answer is kind of nuanced. Gio Wyeth is a New York-based singer-songwriter who identifies as a female-to-male transgendered person. sleep in the kitchen and we fight in the bar. Music history does nothing if not celebrate the fluidity of gender. Consider the world of opera, for instance, where women playing trouser roles and men singing way up high was standard practice for a couple of hundred years. Yet despite the gender-bending popularity of characters like Cherubino from Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro, most of us carry around deeply ingrained prejudices about what a male and female voice ought to sound like. One very diverse group of singers that's helping us to reassess the conventional ways in which we think about voice and gender is the transgender vocal community. Transgender people view their gender identity as existing beyond the trappings of the sex they were assigned at birth. And this re-evaluation of sexual identity has interesting and often challenging implications for members of the trans community who are singers, as well as those who listen to them. What happens to a voice when you take testosterone to make it sound lower? How easy is it for someone who identifies herself as female to continue singing a tenor or even bass line in a choir? And what can we learn about society's view of gender from listening to the voices of transgender vocalists? We'll be exploring these questions and more this evening with the help of two expert guides, my guests Eli Connolly and Ashley Moore. Hi Eli and Ashley, thanks for joining me in the studio. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Eli Connolly is a female-to-male transgendered singer-songwriter and San Francisco Symphony Chorus member who also specialises in coaching transgender singers in the Bay Area. He fronts the band Eli Connolly and Hip for Squares. Ashley Moore is a male-to-female transgendered composer, performer, producer and engineer. She founded the Transcendence Gospel Choir, a Christian music-oriented chorus for transgendered people in San Francisco in 2001 and more recently formed the rock band Critical Bliss. I have to admit that I find it challenging to even figure out what the term transgender means. I took a stab at doing so just now when I said that transgender people view their gender identity as existing beyond the trappings of the sex they were assigned at birth. But it's such a fluid and complex concept to grasp that I may have done a poor job. So I think it would be good, a good idea if we could start by explaining our terms. How do you guys define transgender? Well, it's a really good question in part because every transgender person defines that word differently in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for me, I consider transgender an umbrella term. So it encompasses, like you said, pretty much everybody who identifies as a gender different from what they were originally assigned at birth. So that can include folks who are more on the transsexual end of the spectrum, like myself, who was assigned female at birth and now identify as male. It can also include folks who don't identify as male or female who might 
consider themselves genderqueer, androgynous. Um, some folks who are drag performers consider themselves transgender. There's a whole wide spectrum of folks. Um, so that word transgender is sort of an overall heading word for lots of different folks who, in whatever different way, um, are gender variant in some way. Well, I'd like to get into your backstories next, Eli and Ashley, but let's preface our conversation about your journeys as transgendered singers by hearing a song by each of you. We'll start with All the Live Long Day by Eli Connolly and Hit the Squares, and then hear a track from Ashley Moore. Release me. You're lovelier than April. You're handsomer than May. You're hungry as an apple core. Sing all the live long day. Sing all the live long day. Wished I was a minor down underneath the ground. Cause there my Adam Carter eyes can't hear my lonesome sound. No more high lonesome sound. Wished I was a lily growing out in yonder field Where it grows a sorghum and a bean throughout the year Cause a lily in a marks feels like a lady at the dance A Coming from deep inside The darkness of my wishing well Where her spirit If you've just joined us, welcome. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. We're exploring transgendered voices on this week's show with vocalists Ashley Moore and Eli Conley. We just heard a couple of tracks by our guests. The first was All the Live Long Day by Eli Conley and Hip for Squares. The second was Release Me, a song by Ashley Moore. Voicebox is available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes and at voicebox-media.org. The tracks we just heard more or less capture your voices as they are now, but through the process of adopting gender identities different from the ones you were assigned at birth, as I understand it, you've both done quite a bit of work to develop your voices in ways that seem more in alignment with how you view your gender identity today. So Ashley, let's start with you. Please, can you talk us through your journey as a male to female transgender vocalist? Um, I was about 33 when I um, actually did became full-time went full-time so Mm -hmm. there was a lot involved in that i was working had been working in the music business for for more than 20 years and at that point i was it was not only about transitioning myself as an artist it was about transitioning my music production business and Mm -hmm. figuring out the whole thing and 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 how do you relate to singers who you're coaching essentially as a producer and uh, how does that change once once the the artist perceives your dinner to change and and how how do your comments change in terms of trying to help them achieve their their wow. best performances? So. Well, this sounds a hell of a lot more complex <laughs> than you know getting a new credit card and telling the merchants that you <laughs> <laughs> that you've changed the number. Wow, it's even, it's it's difficult to even fathom the the complexity of that change. Yeah. Yeah, and for, I struggled with trying to figure out what the tone was. Um, at one point, I had done a bunch of recordings of what I thought was going to be an acceptable voice, which was sort of light and airy. And mm-hmm. I was working on an album 
with the vocals for Yannon, who sang with Voice Astra, Bobby McFerrin. So he's an incredible teacher. And so um, I took her aside and played some of the tracks for her, and she said she'd heard me sing in my old voice, and she said, well... It's just it. It sounds weak compared to the other voice because it's not. It doesn't have as mm. much of a dynamic range, mm. and and so therefore it, it it's not as compelling, or it, it it can't be. So, so that really made me rethink how I was approaching it, and uh, ultimately I kind of settled on a hybrid of things that that feels like a range that I want to sing in. That's maybe a little closer to my youthful voice. But also um, allows me to, to use my full voice and, and be more expressive with it and become less concerned about whether it's masculine or feminine sounding, focusing more on, on, on the emotion behind it. And by the time that I um, actually established the Transcendence Gospel Choir, which was an all-transgender choir, uh, that process that I had gone through was really helpful in me then to helping other people to find their voices and be able to sing using their own voice and not through this filter of trying to sound like one gender or the other. Mm-hmm. You know. Eli, what's your story? I gather you were once a, a budding operatic lyric soprano and now you're a tenor who loves to sing country music. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, the country music was always there, although the opera was not. Um, well, I transitioned at a much younger age than Ashley did in terms of... Um, uh, socially and medically and all that kind of stuff. And I will take a minute to define the word transition because we're mm. using that. But basically, uh, when transgender folks talk about transition, that can mean um, deciding to start asking folks to call them different names or pronouns than mm. what our given or assigned names are. It can mean changing your body, although it doesn't have to. Um, and that may or may not be something you do with everyone in your life, or it could just be something that you know a couple folks in your life know about and mm-hmm. transition in that context. But for me, um, when I started asking everyone in my life to call me male pronouns and go by Eli, I was about 19. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't yet recording my voice, although I was um, training my voice as a lyric soprano. And I had auditioned to go to a conservatory, didn't get in, but ended up going to uh, Oberlin College, which has conservatory as part of it. Um, and so was studying with pretty high-level teachers as a lyric soprano, and then through college started realizing I was more interested in um, having a lower voice, having a more masculine body, and so I took testosterone, which vastly changes your voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty similar to the process of young men who are not trans when they go through puberty, how their voice drops. Mm -hmm. That's what happened for me, but I was negotiating that as a, at that point, 20-year-old person in college who was, you know, singing in choirs and doing a lot of of vocalizing in various ways, um, Mm. far past when most folks go through puberty. (laughs) And through that process, it took a couple years for my voice to actually settle into Mm -hmm. a like lyric first tenor range. Mm -hmm. Um, And though I'm no longer looking to be a full-time professional classical singer, I do perform in classical choirs as well as um, I'm a singer-songwriter. Your 
This is Voicebox and I'm Chloe Veltman and on this week's show I'm in the studio with transgender vocalists Ashley Moore and Eli Conley. The track we just heard, Little Girl, by the R&B and soul artist Joshua Clip, is fascinating in the context of tonight's discussion about voices in transition between genders. Eli, you were the one who told me about this song, but Ashley, you engineered it, so you're both very familiar with it. What's going on in the vocals that's of interest? Josh had this old recording of his of him singing in his pre-transition voice, and and as I recall, there was just a fragment of the of the song, and he wanted to use that and the and layer it in the into the chorus, and then all of the rest of the the, the vocals um, throughout the song, all the lower voices, his post-transition voice. So he's actually singing with himself in two different octaves, pre and post, through some magic of electronical time warp. Um, <laughs> With with himself, both pre and post transitions. So. It's really interesting, and it, I don't know that there's another recording, that, at least not that I'm aware of, that, that such that. a thing happens. Yeah. yeah, let's hear a quick excerpt once again, so that we can really pay attention to the two different voices of the singer, pre and post his transition. How easy was the decision to take testosterone to lower your voice? Mm, that's a very personal question. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think it's a it's um, a decision that was challenging for me because I knew that I, uh, by the time I was thinking about testo- taking testosterone, I knew that I didn't identify as female. Mm-hmm. At that point, I wasn't yet identifying as male per se. Mm-hmm. I was going by he and him, but I wasn't really sure how I ultimately wanted to live in the world. And I didn't know what it was going to be like to be read as male because before I took testosterone, people assumed that I was female who didn't already know and mm-hmm. who I didn't tell mm-hmm. that I was male. Um, and so part of the process of taking testosterone was also being recognized as male in the world far more often. Now, if you see me on the street, you know, 99% of the time people assume male, not always. Um, but a big part of that decision for me was trying to figure out what would happen to my voice because I was incredibly attached to my voice. It was something that I identified with very strongly. I'd been um, a singer my entire life, and I knew that I wanted to be a performer in some way with my voice as I got older. But eventually I realized that when I pictured myself as an older person, I pictured myself as a man. Mm-hmm. And in order to be able to get there, I needed to to um, take testosterone to have the embodiment that I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I was I decided that I would take that risk because at that time when I started hormones in, uh, I forget when it was, 2006 or thereabouts, mm-hmm. um, most people that I talked to who'd taken hormones said that they couldn't sing after wow. transitioning who were on the trans male end uh-huh. of the spectrum. That's a huge risk then. Right. It was a big risk. And I'm really thankful to have had voice teachers who were working with me during that time, and I've gotten to the other side of it, and obviously I'm still singing and thriving. But that wasn't, at that point, there weren't that many people who were um, in the public eye who were still singers after taking testosterone. So it was a hard but um, I, a decision, but it's a decision I'm glad I made. Can you talk us a bit more through the process of what you went through after you started taking testosterone? Sure. Um, well, so I took testosterone really gradually. There's lots of different ways people do it. Some folks take a, a large dose right away. So it uh, makes the masculinizing happen really fast. But I went really gradually with the hopes that my voice would also gradually transition, which is more like what happens in um, in non-trans male puberty. And 
probably probably a couple months in, it starts sounding like you have a cold and your voice is just like a little <laughs> bit husky and mm-hmm. people are wondering what's happening. For me, about six months in, I think it was clear that I was getting lower notes on as I would sing on the piano and losing some of the high end. But it wasn't until maybe a year in that my voice really started cracking and hmm. doing all the interesting things where I had to actually relearn where notes were. Because I was used wow. to matching pitch as uh-huh. a soprano. But, you know, if you would play me an A, I could no longer reproduce that A for a while just because it was like going from having a violin to a cello <laughs> in my body. <laughs> so in order to be able to make those notes, I had to um, I had to relearn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Did you have Did you have the experience of of having to to reconnect between how you heard yourself in your head and how that connected to your voice and that body memory? Yeah, because so much of singing and matching pitch is about body memory, and so I still had um, all of my old self built up in how I would sing, and so I absolutely had to relearn all of that just by sitting at the piano and hitting different notes and trying to train myself what I could actually sing because there were notes that I wasn't used to being able to sing and what was no longer an option. How long did the process take in all? Um, I'd say probably about two years until I felt really mm-hmm. solid, but I think my voice was still gradually getting a little bit lower mm-hmm. up until about four years after I took testosterone, and it's been six years now. Okay, and you continue to take testosterone? Yep. You take it your whole life or uh-huh. as long as you want to, but it's not its not something you can stop. Once you take it, you keep taking it. Okay. How would you describe your vocal tone? How is it now versus before you went into your transition? Mm, um. I think currently uh, my voice is kind of on the lighter side of male voices. I have a a very strong falsetto. I use my falsetto a lot, and that's Mm -hmm. something I I relearned how to use because it was Mm -hmm. gone for a while. Before, um, I was younger, so I I had less training in some sense, but I think um, that I was a a very solid amateur lyric soprano. Mm -hmm. But I think now I have a much more... um, professional quality Americana folk singer mm-hmm. voice. Eli's voice today is quite different from what it was like a few years ago when the vocalist was focusing on operatic arias for soprano voice and not yet taking testosterone. Here's a sample of Eli in 2006 singing Après un rêve by Gabriel Fauré and we'll follow that up with an excerpt of the song Dry as Sin from his 2000 album All the Live Long Day. We heard the title track from the album at the start of the show. Veltman and this is Voicebox, Public Radio's weekly series about the human voice. Voicebox is available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes and at voicebox-media.org. My guests on tonight's show about transgender voices are Ashley Moore and Eli Conley. Ashley, taking hormones to change the quality of the voice isn't typically a path for male to female transgender people. Why is that? Well, once the body undergoes a particular change, like the lengthening of the vocal cords, it's not going to go back just because you change the hormones. So. 
But I mean specifically for turning into a woman. Why wouldn't taking estrogen? Well, because change? because the the, the the vocal cords don't shrink again, so the the the, the range stays low. Uh-huh. Yeah, estrogen doesn't help your voice raise again. You have to do that through through working on the voice. Mm-hmm. A lot of trans people actually go through the process of learning how to talk differently mm-hmm. and, and those kinds of things because a lot of a lot of what we perceive in in male and female speech is actually the cadences of mm-hmm. how we use our voices. Yeah. Um, but pitch is, is a factor that people often hone in on, and, and certainly for singers, it's more of a giveaway. Although there are plenty of people who have voices who don't fit right. sort of gender conforming sort of qualities. I mean, uh, was it Tiny Tim tiptoe through yeah. the tulips on the one hand, <laughs> and then one of my favorite singers. Um, uh, Bessie Smith was mm-hmm. re- re- could be really low, or actually, I, one of the reasons I stopped worrying about it was I realized one day that my mother speaks lower than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. okay, well then it's fine. <laughs> well, so some people have surgery to shorten their vocal cords and sound more stereotypically feminine. What was was that ever a consideration for you? Well, like Eli, I was very concerned about my voice. There aren't a lot of really. Uh, stories of successes with that mm. surgery. Mm. I mean, the vocal cords are so sensitive. Julie Andrews, who, who developed vocal nodes mm-hmm. and just went, underwent a very simple surgery relatively to remove those, wound up losing her voice. Right. So the idea of shaving them or trying to shorten them just seemed like way too much of a risk for me. And um, as I said, I, I don't know, I, I've not heard anyone with a successful story who you know, put out recordings and said, how wonderful this is and woohoo, you can do this too. So I I would rather have, I I decided that I would rather struggle with the voice and and take the time to learn it and Mm -hmm. maybe not be exactly what I want it to be, but still have a voice and Mm -hmm. still be able to emote. And you wouldn't have felt comfortable sticking with your lower baritone voice when you had transitioned already? You what you were, what, why was it so important to you to have a different kind of voice to the one you had before? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think it doesn't bother me. The idea didn't bother me as much as a recording artist as much as it does as a performer. I see. Mm. Um, you know, because I. It, yeah, I mean, when I like, if I'm doing choral recordings and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I'll push my voice back down into the lower range. Mm. Sometimes, um, but it's about, sort of about moving through the world for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dangerous to be, you know, if it, depending on where you are as a performer, you, you, you don't have control over who's in the audience or, you know, um, if, you're, if you're traveling or per- performing, who knows what you're, you're going to come up against. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, wanna, I want people to perceive my artistry in keeping with how they perceive me and mm-hmm. and when you have a, a dichotomy that threatens some people i see um so just from a marketability standpoint you want them to to not have that conflict okay. in their mind mm-hmm. as a performer out moving in through the world you also don't want to take those kinds of risks sure you know with your safety (laughs) okay well so how would you describe the tone of your voice today versus how it was before before when (laughs) before when it was when you were a baritone solidly more or less um i think i'm happier with it now Mm -hmm. um so after when i went through my first 
puberty. <laughs> um, I I was re I really um, mourned the change to the tone of my voice for a uh -huh. long time because as I mentioned earlier I was a really high treble yeah and I had a really pure tone when I was young and uh -huh. I loved that voice yeah and and it took me like I was asking Eli earlier it took me a long time to adjust sort of my inner sound of my voice and my inner sense of pitch to to the voice and what and as it changed when it dropped in puberty it developed this sort of edgy mm -hmm. gritty quality that. I was always trying to work through or around. Mm -hmm. um, so in in the tone that I have now in the range that I'm working, which is the middle voice, which I know there's another term, but the, I use the, the term middle voice, which is kind of a combination of my head tone and, and my chest voice most of the time. And it's closer to the tone that I remember, not quite there, but it also has enough of the greediness that if I want to push it into a bluesier direction, mm -hmm. I can kind of get that because I love some of those old, you know, blues singers, mm -hmm. you know. Well, let's hear a couple of excerpts of Ashley Moore singing uh, with her voice as it was before she started her transition versus what it's like now. The change isn't obviously as radical as the one that Eli went right. through, but there is still a notable difference, I think. The first track is Waiting for Someday, which shows off more of the singer's baritone and tenor range. And the second is called God's Hand, Anthem of Grace, which showcases a higher register and more lyrical tone. All hope. But as we looked across the bay, I began to see a chance, and now I wonder more each day. I'm afraid to share my heart and have you run away. And so I wait for a sign or a clue, or wait in for someday. But here we are. You're tuned into Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman, your host. To find out more about our series, including how to make a much-needed donation to support our project, which is independently produced and non-profit, please visit voicebox-media.org. Donating is safe and easy through our online PayPal link. We just heard two tracks showcasing the voice of one of our guests tonight, Ashley Moore, a male-to-female transgender vocalist. The tracks were Waiting for Someday and God's Hands, Anthem of Grace. Our other guest is a female-to-male transgender singer, Eli Conley. We're chatting about the fluidity of gender and its relationship to vocal change. We've had the chance to talk somewhat in depth about your individual journeys, Eli and Ashley, as transgender vocal performers. It seems like such an individual thing. Everyone's voice is unique. But what are the essential ways in which the process of vocal change is different for male to female and female to male transgender singers? I mean, I think um, 
one of the most obvious things is just that if uh, trans men, female to male transgender people do choose to take testosterone, then in a way the change happens for us. The job after that is just to uh, relearn how to sing if we want to. <laughs> so, you know, your voice will be lowered. But for a lot of folks, uh, because they're not used to that voice, if they are not continuing to sing while it's changing, then mm -hmm. they do lose the ability to sing or it's it's hard to find their way back into it. And I think for um, for trans women, often, like Ashley was talking about, it's more relearning how to sing if they want to sing in a different range, just using what they've already got. Mm -hmm. So that's how it's different. Adapting the tool through what exercises mm -hmm. and different kinds of vocalese, basically. Yeah, doing warm-ups and picking songs, moving your way up through the range. and um, I, there, are, there are trans singers like, um, what's her name, Namely Bent Brennett, mm -hmm. who, she has an amazing tone, or Alyris mm -hmm. has an amazing tone too, who've been able to sort of adjust their tone more dramatically than, than I was able to do. Um, and but I don't have n no idea what their voices were like beforehand, so mm -hmm. I don't know what they started with. Plus, it's a process, right? I mean, you, yeah. your voice may continue to change, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, all of ours do to our exactly. lives. Exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. What can you point to any of the main similarities in terms of the process of a vocal change for both sides of the equation? Practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most important thing is. Okay. I don't know other than that. I mean, and regular you know, singing. Yeah, regular singing, just having good technique, having good breath support, all of the stuff that any singer has to do to negotiate any vocal change. Because I think what you said is, is really important, true. Also, is that like everyone's voice changes at puberty. Even for female assigned folks who identify as female, that change still happens. Their voices do yeah. still get deeper. Mm -hmm. And then as we get older, all of our voices lose some of the high end, get mm -hmm. a little bit lower. So it's. Yeah, in that sense, that I think is what's similar, regardless of how you identify. This is Voicebox. tuned into Voicebox with me, Chloe Veltman. Don't forget you can access our free podcasts, playlists and all kinds of other info about our series at voicebox-media.org. The track we just heard was entitled Bless Me and it was performed by the Transcendence Gospel Choir. Ashley, you founded this ensemble in San Francisco in 2001. What inspired you to do this? Um, well, as I was... <laughs> As I was getting ready to move into my transition, um, I realized I was going to have to confront my family, who are pretty fundamentalist Christians. Mm. Um, and so I started reading the Bible as, as a means of preparing myself against that. And uh, ironically, it led me back into my faith. Hmm. Um, but as I was moving, th beginning to move through the world as a trans person, I was seeing a lot of trans people who were being rejected, having issues with their families, with their backgrounds, mm -hmm. their tribal roots um, because of their faith issues. And uh, as I moved through my faith journey, I realized that a lot of the things that were being used against us were mistranslations or mis 
uses of biblical um, literature. And that really began to piss me off, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of an act of defiance and rebellion. Um, and, and also to, to sort of state to people that you don't need to be a Christian per se, but um, that you don't have to leave your faith either mm -hmm. and that uh, your those communities are, are wrong to to do so so i started um having this feeling that i that i needed to create a music ministry for trans people and i didn't know what that was i spent the better part of eight months to a year just trying to going around to different locations and trying to figure out what that was um, and then uh, in 2000, I found this church, City of Refuge, uh, United Church of Christ in San Francisco, and that felt like the place to do it. Um, and so in March of 2001, we launched it and just put up flyers and spent eight months fumbling with, you know, trying to figure out how we were going to make it work. And mm -hmm. of course, all the, the male to females came to the door and wanted to sing, you know, like <laughs> sort of making these squeaking sounds that were even worse than puberty. <laughs> did I, did, was that my outside voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really hard, and then you know, the a lot of the a lot of the females to males came in, and they, you know, as Eli has um, suggested, some of them had taken hormones rather uh -huh. quickly, and their voices had dropped, and they didn't know what to do with their voices. Some had, you know, um, head voices, and some didn't. And uh, the whole thing was like this big experiment. Wow. Um, so how many people are in the chorus? Um, the, well, I, w I haven't been involved with the chorus since about 2007. We, we averaged about 15 people. Mm -hmm. um, we traveled a, a lot through the U.S. and um, into Canada. And when we were traveling, it was typically 10 to 12 of mm -hmm. us. Um, um, but it got as high as, I think, 18 or 20 at one mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. um, but like the regular consistent group was always about 15. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eli, you're a voice teacher who specializes in working with trans singers. Uh, you also have students who are not transgender. Is there anything special or different about the way you approach teaching trans vocalists versus other kinds of vocalists? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yes and no, I guess this is my answer. I think what would, I mean, I approach all singers the same and that I listen to where they're at and then mm -hmm. I figure out where they can grow from there. I think the reason that I am probably different than a lot of voice teachers is because being a trans person myself and having so many trans students, I don't make any assumptions about students coming in, just like Ashley was saying about what their voice part's going to be based mm -hmm. on what they look like, what songs they might want to sing. So um, especially with my trans students, but also with my non-trans students who are the majority of who I teach because the majority mm -hmm. of people in the world are not trans. Um, I just ask them what they're interested in singing and, and go with that. And I generally, I think also because of my history, encourage folks to explore parts of their voices that they haven't used before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my basses and baritones find themselves singing way more falsetto than they expected to when they work for, with me. Um, and a lot of my higher voice folks uh, find themselves expanding towards the bottom of their voices because that's something that I really believe in is being able to use as much of our voice as possible. But with that said, when I work with trans folks, uh, often they are more likely to say, I'm just not interested in using the low end of my voice mm -hmm. if they are more uh, more female identified or for whatever reason, mm -hmm. or I'm just not interested in singing in my head voice. And I just, I respect that. Mm -hmm. I just go and take them at their word and go from there and um, give them what songs I think would best fit what they're interested in learning.
This is Voicebox, and that was the famous Appalachian folk singer Roscoe Holcomb performing In the Pines. This evening I'm chatting with vocalists Ashley Moore and Eli Connolly about transgender voices. The reason I picked that track to play at this point is because it's so hard to pin down the gender of the voice. It actually sounds very otherworldly and not particularly male or female to my ear, at least in the traditional sense. Eli and Ashley, is there such a thing as a gender-neutral voice? We're making faces at each other. <laughs> it doesn't translate on radio. No, like, <laughs> gender neutral voice. I think there can be. I think there are certainly gender ambiguous voices. Mm-hmm. Voices just like that one, like Rascal mm-hmm. Holcomb's voice, who you might hear and not be able to tell to if place. they yeah. are male assigned or female assigned or where they're coming from. Um, but a gender neutral voice, I don't know. I feel like... In a sense, I almost don't believe in gender neutrality because I'm so gender positive. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, one thing I've come to understand, and this is this touches on something you said earlier, Ashley, is that pitch actually doesn't have a whole lot to do with determining the gender of a singer. I mean, I did a show with Melanie Demore a while back about mm. female tenors and basses, and we listened to the music of a lot of low singing women, but they all definitely sounded feminine, in in mm. my opinion. And I also produced a voice box program about counter tenors and those high singing guys definitely sounded masculine to me. Hmm. It would be difficult to mistake Odetta for a man and Jimmy Somerville for a woman, I think, despite the ranges in which they commonly sing. So if a singer's pitch isn't the main determinant of the gender of their voice, what is? How they identify, I think, is what's most important, ultimately. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Ashley? I think that's a good answer. And I I actually don't care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's irrelevant I, I, yeah I, you know I, I just want to hear the artists and mm-hmm. what they have to offer and so yeah and I think I mean I, I, I appreciate vo- you know many different kinds of vocal styles um, and it, I'm not particularly tied to what gender they they appear to be or they consider themselves to be so as long as I as long as the music is compelling that's all I care about and I think often, you know, something that I've learned from living in the world as a trans person is basically like folks are so obsessed with gender so mm-hmm. much of the time. And trans folks are often accused of being obsessed with gender when actually I think, you know, we we know who we are and we live as who we are. Or we find ways to live as who we are. But ultimately, I'm not that interested in like saying men are masculine and women are feminine in any way, shape or form. There are so many more genders out there and so many more ways of being gendered than we could ever possibly imagine that I think the same applies for for voices. There are as many types of voices as there are people out there. And so, like Ashley was saying, mostly I'm interested in in, um, who is the person singing this song, what do they have to say, and how are they singing?
I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. Gender and the voice is our topic today. We're looking in particular at transgender singers and my guests are vocalists Eli Conley and Ashley Moore. To find out more about Voicebox, please visit voicebox-media.org. So earlier this year, there was a news item about the Malaysian transgender singer Hafiz Jeffrey, who's also known as Kajol, who was fined by the Islamic High Court for, quote, dressing in women's clothing and having feminine mannerisms. The singer apparently repented or something like that and had a one month prison sentence reduced to a big fine. How common is this kind of news, Eli and Ashley? I mean, does it shock you? No, thankfully it's less common here in Mm. the West than it used to be, but no, it doesn't. It's certainly more true of places like that and, you know, in in more more conservative places, there's still, you know, some people's lives are still in in danger Mm -hmm. in places like that. Well, here's a track by Hafiz Jeffrey now, Lawa Prasenyo Lawa. She's got an amazing voice and in this track she duets with the male vocalist Abe Rohim. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. Voicebox is available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes and at voicebox-media.org where you can also find loads of great information about our series including playlists and schedules. We're talking about transgender singers tonight with Ashley Moore and Eli Conley. The track we just heard, Lawa Prasenyo Lawa, was performed by the transgender Malaysian vocalist Hafiz Jeffrey, also known as Kajol. It was a duet with Abe Rohim. Jeffrey narrowly escaped a prison sentence after she was condemned by the hardline Islamic court in her country for wearing a dress and being too feminine. So today, in this country, how accepting would you say is society on the whole of transgender vocalists? Do you ever encounter prejudice here at home in the Bay Area or wherever you, you travel? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean... I've never had anything overtly happen from the stage. Um, you know, you know, if you're playing in a in a, in any venue, people will come in and come out. You know, walk out. And um, I've, you know, mostly heard positive things. But when Transcendence was traveling, and you know, there was a lot of press about us, and you know, we had to march through Fred Phelps picket lines Oof. at times, and. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I have to say that whole experience was was much more positive than I ever thought it would be. You know, but we never tried to go down and perform in, in Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
I think um, trans men often fly more under the radar of mm-hmm. folks who are really transphobic. Certainly not all the time, but I think because we live in a, a sexist society, um, trans women face the brunt of transphobia. I think that's just true. I live in the Bay Area and I tend to tour in places where I'm already billing myself as an explicitly queer act. So mm-hmm. rarely have I gotten negative feedback when I'm performing somewhere. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times folks just don't really know what to make of me, though. They're just, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool. We're going to listen to your music now. Ashley and Eli, what can you tell us about the voices of Namoli Brennett, Laura Jane Grace of Against Me, Coyote Grace and Lucas Silvera of The Clicks? Well, uh, an interesting thing about Laura Jane Grace of Against Me is she's probably the most uh, high profile trans singer right now. And probably part of the reason for that is that she performed with Against Me for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, which is a punk band that now is a little more mainstream. A lot of Uh Bay Area people are upset about their politics these days. But she just recently came out as a trans woman in Mm -hmm. Rolling Stone magazine. And the response has been really incredible. I've been really impressed by her band, by the press. It's one of the the best outings I think I've ever seen of a high-profile musician. Um, And I'll speak about the second act, or the third act you mentioned, Coyote Grace is Mm -hmm. is a trio and the lead singer is a transgender man, Joe Stevens, who I've actually worked with a little bit as a voice teacher. And he's just a wonderful singer. I really love listening to his voice. Emily Brennan, I was really, I I came across her on the web um, at some point and I was just immediately knocked out by her -hmm. her music and the tone of her voice. I think she... Yeah, it's lovely. uh, I think if if I had wanted to sort of um, covet Mm. <laughs> a, you know, a trans feminine voice. It would have been hers, mm-hmm. you know, because because she she her, her basic tone is sort of gender neutral, but she manages to get that airiness that is so hard to mm. achieve after your voice has dropped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least for me, that's that's the hardest tone. You know, you can't. I don't know of any any male to female trans person who can achieve that sort of. Um, Mariah Carey, the breathiness, mm-hmm. for uh-huh. example, that is so ex- sort of explicitly in the feminine pop mm-hmm. sound these days. Mm-hmm. And she she manages to get close to that and, and mixing it with a folk style. And so I think it's really compelling. Great. And, and Lucas, Lucas Silvera is the lead singer of The Clicks, which is another queer rock group. And um, he's a trans man who, I believe, what last I heard is opted not to take testosterone because he wants to preserve his voice as it is. All right, let's listen to tracks by those performers now. Some people look, some people stare, some people turn away. Some pulling over words as if their tongue's in the way. Some people act as if their mind was made up anyway. Some people talk, some people shout, some people shut their mouth. Some people's ears are tuned out from living underground. Some people laugh, some people When you 
This is Voicebox and I'm Chloe Veltman. I'm in the studio with transgender singers Ashley Moore and Eli Conley. We just heard from four great transgender artists, Namalie Brennett against me's Laura Jane Grace, Coyote Grace and Lucas Silvera of The Clicks. For more detailed playlist information, please visit voicebox-media.org. Now, as far as I understand it, the singers we just heard self-identify as transgender men or women. But what about singers who don't feel like specifying a particular gender? Eli and Ashley, regardless of whether a voice sounds masculine or feminine, what can we take away from the fact that performers like Anthony Hegarty, the front person of Anthony and the Johnsons, or the trans singer-songwriter Ray Spoon don't view themselves as being of any particular gender and resist using pronouns that would identify them as such? I mean, I have many, many friends who uh, don't identify as male or female. And I think there are, again, as many different words as there are people for how they identify mm-hmm. their genders. I think I've heard Ray Spoon use the word genderqueer, and mm-hmm. I've just heard Antony say they're not interested in engaging with male or female. Um, and I think that's great. I used to identify as genderqueer myself, and I think it's, a, it's another great way you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've given everyone a lot of stuff to chew on. So thanks so much to you both, Eli and Ashley, for coming in and chatting with me tonight. Thanks so much. It's been fun. To find out more about tonight's guests, please visit EliConnelly.com. That's E-L-I-C-O-N-L-E-Y.com and AshleyMoore.net. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-M-O-O-R-E.net. Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. The series producer is Seth Samuel and the web editor is Victoria Lim. Please support Voicebox. Find out how you can become a member of our inner circle for as little as $5 a month or make a one-time donation by visiting voicebox-media.org. We're a non-profit project, so all donations made to us are tax deductible. Send us your questions and comments to info at voicebox-media.org and please connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at Chloe Veltman. Let's go out with a track by Anthony and the Johnsons. It's called For Today I'm a Boy. And according to the genre category on iTunes, the song is unclassifiable. (laughs) Have a songful week. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful woman. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful girl. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful woman. 
One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful girl. But for today, I am a child. For today, I am a boy. For today, I am a child.